Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick DeVoglio. I'm with my co-host, Lucas Tashi. Today, we're going to be recapping what happened during international soccer. We had the break. We're just going back through World Cup qualifying. And then we're going to talk about some upcoming fixtures for this weekend, and we're going to get into some bets. We hope you guys enjoy the episode. What's up, Lucas? Yo! It's been a couple of weeks. Good talking to you. I am excited to get right into it. The Swiss have done it again. Um, I'm, I'm hyped, man. I'm hyped. I mean, uh, you, you were the one that said it. I, I didn't even bring it up. But I think we should just get right into it. Um, yeah, World Cup qualifiers. What a, what a crazy two weeks it's been for World Cup qualifiers. To be honest, me and you have both been so open about hating the international breaks. Um, it's, they have too many international breaks personally, and we've mentioned this, but yeah, this one, this one was actually really exciting. Uh, if you want we'll just get into the competition or what happened over the last week and a half. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to start, Nick? You want to start with Euros, uh, CONCACAF, uh, South America, you, you tell me. So let's do the Euros. Uh, I don't think it makes sense for us to run through all the games, right? Oh, so no, Definitely not. So, so I think we should just go group by group and uh, just recap like wh- what our thoughts were, how we expected it to play out, and uh, what we should look forward to during the, the next phases. I know the, the, the draw, right, for the, the playoffs for UEFA is not done yet, I don't believe yeah. So we don't know who's facing who, but uh, we can kind of speculate on that end. So, I mean, Group A, I think, is the the one that is shocks everyone the most. And uh, that's with Portugal losing to Serbia, I think, in extra time. And uh, that basically costs Portugal the group. Had they just drawn, they would have made it through. But that ends up being the deciding factor. And they're looking at the playoffs. Uh before I give it back to you, it's just always funny. It's always so difficult with Portugal and World Cup qualifying. For some reason, they always end up in the playoff. Yeah. In this case, honestly, uh, I think this warrants the coach being fired because their squad is, uh, if I look across all the international teams, you know, you can make the argument that Portugal's squad is in is definitely in the top five in terms of overall talent. For and. Sure. And probably uh, you can make an argument for for even them being the the best. Not to say that they are, but like you have so much ample arguments to to make to say that they might be the best squad. They've underachieved uh, with Santos as their coach, and just finishing second in this group. I know it seems like it's a it's a not that big of a deal because they still have a chance to qualify, but. He's honestly not as good as as he used to be, and I just think that it's time for them to move on. And I think if they ha- want to believe that they have a chance of winning it, which they do, they have such a good chance of winning the World Cup. They have to they have to just cut their losses and fire him now and find a better manager. Yeah, I 100% am with you on that. Looking at the group, as you mentioned, Serbia won, but the rest of the group was just not good. Uh, Republic of Ireland, Luxembourg, and Azerbaijan, they added the eight points. They should have gotten 21. They should have probably lost to Serbia once uh, like they did and then beat them once. But they have five wins, two draws, and one loss. So it really is, like you said, very disappointing to have one of the top talented teams have to go through the playoffs. And, I mean, this is not the only shock uh, team where really, really quality talent and they had to go through the playoffs. We'll get into that a little bit later on, but this team, especially, uh, especially the way that it went down, they have such, such good talent and they have no coaching. And, uh, one thing that you didn't call out is the fact that they were so underwhelming in the euros. Yeah. They would do so well in the euros given the talent that they have, but Still, like, they did not do well. I think they lost in the uh, uh, round of 16 to Belgium. And with the likes of Ronaldo, Ruben Diaz, Bernardo Silva, uh, Bruno Fernandes, 
the list goes on and on, like with those Diogo Jota, like it goes on and on with the quality of the players. They should have easily ran through this this group. And of course, it's tough to play against Serbia in Serbia, but at home you beat them and you should still win the group. Yeah. Like the Republic of Ireland, they should have easily not gotten a draw against. And then two wins against Luxembourg and two wins against Azerbaijan. That's that's what should have happened. Um, but like you said, just so underwhelming. Yeah, and you know what? We can point to the the game they played against Serbia in March and uh, point to the the decision for that goal to be incorrectly ruled offside. I think by Ronaldo, where he scored an extra time. Right? You brought that up to me. I think a couple of days ago, and that's such a great point. Where uh, there's no there's no there's no review and like it's it's very clearly uh, a legal goal. Yeah. So correctly. I'm gonna uh, correct you there. It wasn't offside. The rule of the the play was Ronaldo took a shot. It was pretty much trickling over, like trying to go over the uh, line. Right. And the ball was over the line, and the ref did not call it. So they had no uh, goal line technology. They had no uh, VAR. They had nothing. So because of that, uh, Portugal. Instead of getting three points, they got two points. Uh, one point, sorry. Um, they should have gotten the full three points, and that would have that that was a game changer. Yeah. That really was. Yeah, and Serbia has a lot of talented players, you know, but it's just it's not the same level as Portugal, and it's not as deep as Portugal. You know, you could look at uh, Stefan Mitrovic, who is their their captain. He's a decent player. Uh, their forwards, right? Mitrovic, Jovic, and Vlahovic are all lethal, and they're all great forwards. So uh, this and uh, Milinkovic, Savic, you know, Dusan Tadic, they're all great players. But it, it's just like I look at Portugal's squad, and they really don't have any weaknesses you could point to. I mean, maybe the age at the central uh, of the defense. You know, we've talked about that before, but they're still they're still good defenders. And I just think that it's just it's just a total letdown. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I, I think we, we ran through Group A pretty well. Uh, group B, we have Spain uh, winning the group, uh, followed by Sweden in second place. That also went to the last day where yep. Spain faced Sweden. Uh, and Spain got a, a pretty comfortable win against Sweden. Yes, it was only 1-0, but it was, it was fairly comfortable. Um, so that means Sweden is going to go into the playoffs as well. Uh, Nick, is there anything that you want to call out for Group B? Uh, uh, no, uh, Gavi had a great dribble. Uh, it was pretty sick to watch. I don't know if you saw that. He, I dude's did. So talented. Yeah, dude's so talented. Uh, but 17. Group B, and yeah, Group B kind of played out exactly how we expected. So we could just move forward to Group C, and you could take it away. <laughs> I love how you just uh, kicked it over to me right away because this is the group I'm so hyped about. Um, I will try not to be biased, but man, I I have to be biased. Switzerland winning the group. Group C in the last days, it really was. I was very surprised. I was very shocked. Um, Over Italy. Italy is in second place. They are going to go into the playoffs. Switzerland automatic qualifiers and what's crazy for this group is Jorginho is the reason why Switzerland qualified Jorginho missed two penalties against Switzerland so one in the first leg one in the second leg he missed both of them and since they didn't get three points that is the reason why Switzerland qualified over uh Italy yeah. And it really is great for me because for me, like Switzerland, they actually are playing so well. They didn't lose the entire uh, the entire group, not one loss. And I'm very, very happy with how the coach has transformed this team. He's bringing a lot of young, exciting, uh, talented uh, attackers to the fixture. So now they have players like Okafor, who plays for RB Salzburg. Uh, Vargas, who's infamously lost, uh, missed the penalty to Spain, uh, and he was the reason why they were knocked out of the Euros. 
And I mean, Shakiri's just stepping up. He he's become a whole new player. And they did all this without one of their better players in Granit Xhaka. Granit Xhaka missed for the past six weeks. They still haven't had um yeah, they haven't had Shaka for the past six weeks. Uh and also some players missed, like Mbolo uh missed time. Uh Elvedi missed time, our starting center back. Uh, the fact that Murat Yakin is able to do it with this t- squad, he's able to produce with them. I'm excited to see what's to come for Switzerland in the near future. But moving on to Italy, very, very underwhelming. So, very so. underwhelming. Um, they have so many gaps in that squad that it's there. They have no striker. They have no goal scorers really. Uh, and looking back at the at their Euros, it's kind of uh, the way I'm trying to the way I'm trying to frame it is that they kind of got lucky in the Euros if you think about it because they didn't need to really put up any goals um against Austria they won in extra time uh they would have lost if that Arnautovic goal didn't happen or wasn't called off or whatever it was uh they scraped by Spain in penalties and they beat England in penalties like it's yes they were dominant in the actual groups but you can see that there are gaps on in this team that are missing um defensively they aren't as sound as uh as they used to be Donnarumma is still incredible attacking wise they they're lacking so much of that fire to get into in front of the goal and finish and just put it away put it away and I I've talked to uh the guru Tony and he's expressed his frustration I've talked to Steve who's also a friend of mine who's Italian he's expressed his frustration Tony was more pessimistic than Steve about going into it, and he called it the entire time. He's like, Italy's going to draw it to Switzerland. They're going to probably win one nothing against Northern Ireland or tie in the last day, and that's exactly what happened. They, they, drew, they drew the last day, and Switzerland thrashed Bulgaria. Thrashed mm-hmm. Bulgaria. And it's interesting to see if, Italy, the way they're playing now, if they'll be able to get through the playoffs. But um, that's that's my recap of it. Nick, what are your thoughts? Uh, I agree with you, honestly. I think it's, Italy was very underwhelming. This this whole qualifying stages, four draws for them. I mean, listen, Switzerland. Like I can see them. I can see them splitting. Right, splitting one win each, or even drawing both. That's fine. Yeah. To, to draw against Northern Ireland on the the last day and then also against Bulgaria is in, indefensible, honestly, in my in my opinion. Uh, regardless of whether or not the squad has weaknesses, which are fairly obvious to both yep, of us, yep. and I think everyone listening, they still have enough quality to be able to beat those teams. Yeah, and yeah. they should have finished top of this group, right? Uh, however... I mean, Switzerland is just, as we say time and time again, the a great a example of a national team that is more than a sum of its parts. So, you know, the fact that they finished top of this group, like, we, we were shocked at the time. But in hindsight, when we review everything and, and we look at it from a different scope, it's not really that much of a shock to me. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Switzerland has always been one of those dark horses, and now they have the their talent is starting to improve. And now they have really good attacking options. They have the their attacking play is, has gotten significantly better. And with Shakiri going over to Lyon, he's improved his game so much. Yeah. Uh, and it, like I mentioned, we did this without one of our best strikers. We did this without Mbolo. If we have Mbolo at striker, I mean, it's dangerous. It is very dangerous because he really is a fantastic finisher. He's strong up top. I'm excited for what this, uh, what the team can do in the World Cup. Yeah, we'll see. I uh, I think it's time to move on. Yeah. Uh, from this love fest and go on to Group D. Uh, I mean, we can we can really talk about Group D and E kind of at the same yeah. time. 
because uh, France and Belgium finishing first in both groups, that was kind of expected. Uh, Wales finishes second in Group E. Ukraine finishes second in Group D. I mean, honestly, I don't really see that much of a of a surprise in either of these groups. I do want to say uh, Bosnia's performance through qualifying is kind of disappointing. Uh, they do have a lot, a decent amount of talent. And I think just, uh, you know, not even, I'm not saying that they should have finished second because that's not the case, but not even giving Ukraine a run for its money throughout qualifying, I think was very, uh, very disappointing to, to see from them. Yeah, and for uh, Group E, uh, really it was surprising to see Wales finish in that second spot. I thought Czech Republic would be able to get into that, but Wales, in the last day facing Belgium, they needed a draw to secure second place, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, it was 1-1 Belgium and Wales, and they pulled it off. Um, that draw for them was, was massive, uh, but yeah. That was an exciting end to, well, we knew Belgium was winning, but exciting end to finish second and third uh, with Wales getting, securing that playoff spot and still having a chance to get into the, into the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about Group F, even though, uh, you know, we, same thing, result kind of played out the, the way I expected it to with Denmark finishing first. But I mean, to absolutely just blow out everyone the entire group stage where the last match day, nothing matters. So you just send in uh, kind of like your reserve national team just to play Scotland. I think they were so impressive. I was blown away by how they handled every single game they played in qualifying. I mean, finishing, finishing with a goal difference of 27. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal to me. Uh, Moldova finished with a goal difference of minus 25 in a group stage, and Faroe Islands finished with minus 16. So I'm just looking at those. You know, if any team finishing with less than four a lot uh, four wins in that group was a disappointment. So the fact that you have uh, Scotland, Israel, and Austria bagging 16, 16, and 23 as well just speaks to how bad those bottom teams were. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, impressive performance by Den- uh, Denmark and Scotland goes through. Both uh, pretty well-deserved. And, uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. Do you have anything you want to talk about for Group A? I do. Austria was was a surprise uh, finishing in fourth place. I thought Aust- it would finish Denmark-Austria. But, yeah. of course, Scotland has improved significantly. They have good players or decent players. Scott McTominay, Che Adams. Um, I, I'm blanking on the rest, but... I thought with David Alaba and Arnautovic in Austria, I thought they would take them to the next level. But they finishing with 16 points, I, I it is underwhelming. They would have likely loved to secure that second playoff spot, and they are gutted for themselves, in my opinion, about not finishing in that second playoff spot yeah. or in that playoff spot. Yeah, one more thing to add about that. You know, you hear uh, 16 points and you think, wow, that's that's such a good amount of points, even though they didn't qualify. But they had an extra two games yes. to do it. So, uh, I mean, for, for groups, uh, really groups F through through uh, J, I think they all had 10 games that they had to play. So uh, if you take it in that context, it's it's kind of underwhelming, like you said. So... The, the, the other groups that we covered before this group all had eight games. So the significance of them having 16 points in those groups versus in these groups uh, makes a huge difference. Yeah. All right. G, uh, no surprise there. Netherlands finishes on top. Turkey, I mean, coming back after their coach getting, like, totally fired for definitely good reasons. Disappointed, honestly, in Norway. Like, really yes, disappointed. Indeed. Uh, you had they had such a good opportunity to finish second and then they lose and they draw so i mean that really cost them the second place here and i i mean listen i know uh i know holland is hurt uh i was kind of disappointed because i feel like if he was to play uh there could have been a potential you know potential totally different result here yeah he is, he is him odegaard you know they're two like superstar level players and to see to and their squad is really good honestly really good better than turkeys like i have to say better than turkeys 
So just kind of disappointed. Uh, I would have loved to see see them at the World Cup. Yeah, it actually came to the last day where Norway needed to beat Netherlands and Turkey needed to lose. Um, and Netherlands put a pretty comfortable com- performance, but yeah. they did leave it late. They scored in the, I believe, the 80th minute and the 90th minute. So it was a 2-0 victory. But uh, Norway, it was there for them for the taking. But also they needed uh, they needed Turkey to lose or draw. And yeah. Turkey in that final day, they put up, I think it was like five goals against, uh, uh, I, I believe it was Gibraltar. Um, five <laughs> goals against Gibraltar. Goal differential, Lucas, minus 39. Yeah, <laughs> unreal, unreal. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you covered it off pretty well for Group G. Going into Group H. Wait, before, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Before we go into Group H, I just also want to say they drew with Latvia like right before they they played the Netherlands. I feel like if they win that one, right, they're sitting there with 20 points. Yeah. That, that probably makes them, uh, you know, more motivated to play against Netherlands and play harder. You know, if I if I need a win to to go in, I don't have my best player, and I just drew with Latvia. I'm so much more deflated. Yeah. Than had I beaten Latvia and been going in, but uh, but ultimately I agree with everything you said. You you can go on to to Group H. Group H was very exciting. Um, very very exciting. This was up until the last day. It was a two team race, especially between Croatia and Russia, and the last day. It was Croatia versus Russia. And I'm not sure, Nick, if you saw it, but the weather conditions for this game were unreal. It was raining so much. The ball was like it was getting stuck in the mud. It was really, really, really bad conditions. And essentially, whoever won this game topped the group. At this stage, I think it was Russia at 22 points and Croatia at 20 points. And if Russia drew or won, they were top in the group. If Croatia won, they win the group. And with that, with the poor conditions, this game ends in the most heartbreaking fashion for uh, for Russia. It ends in an own goal, leading to Croatia winning 1-0 and topping the group. It's just, it's mind-boggling that the refs let that game play on. Of course, they needed to. But if I'm Russia, I am absolutely fuming at the fact that that game was played on in those conditions. But, I mean, by all means, both these teams are deserving of being one and two. Uh, Croatia is also well-deserving of being first place. They performed well. They they had the goal differential over Russia no matter what, with 21 goals, four allowed. But man, what a way to end that group! And just imagine an own goal in slippery, rainy weather. That's the reason why you're in a playoff spot for Russia instead of automatically qualifying. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing else to add. Tough, tough for them that Russia has to face the playoff. Uh, there's so many stacked teams in the playoff now, so it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out with them. Uh, I have nothing else to add, so I just want to move on to Group I. So England tops the group, and then Poland finishes second. This is pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah. Have have really no no issues with anyone. Uh, it's kind of we both expected it to play out this way. I mean, when you have Andorra and San Marino in your group, and it's just it's just so funny to me that you know, like that would be the thing really that does it for them. And I, I just want to say, like Andorra's only two wins, I think we're over San Marino, which only is a testament to how bad San Marino is as a uh, as a football team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're so small, so like I don't want to just rattle them, but it's just it's just well known. Uh, I have nothing else to add here, Lucas. Anything you want to say? I have nothing to add here. I mean, it's it was very straightforward. Uh, I will say, whoever gets Poland in the group stage uh, in the playoff, it will be a, t- a tough match- matchup for them. Yeah. Good luck. And then Group J. I, I mean, do you want to uh, discuss this because? Uh-huh. After five games, this was very exciting for you. 
So exciting. Uh, I believe we had topped the group. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, even after losing to Germany 6 nothing, like I wasn't really uh, I wasn't really disappointed or anything like that. But the results the next few games are really the things that caused Armenia to not even make the playoff, you know, and uh, super, super upsetting. Uh, you know, they drew uh, two games, right? And they lost their last three. So they claimed two from five possible games. They could have beaten uh, Liechtenstein. They could have beaten Iceland. To, to draw with North Macedonia and then to turn around and lose to them 5 nothing, I think is absolutely horrible, right? Just so bad. So, I mean, listen, like, even if they get, even if they get two wins and uh, a draw, that puts them in some good positions to, to make it to at least a playoff, right? But... Uh, they would have they would have gone through at that point, but they they just end up uh, they end up missing their shot, and it's North Macedonia that makes it through. Who uh, whoever gets them in the next round is going to be really lucky because they haven't been anything close to impressive. Uh, the fact that Armenia lost five nothing to them is just a statement to how like how crazy that turnaround was because they had done so well the first half. Yeah, Germany, Germany finishes top. Uh, nothing had been. Uh, expected less of them, especially in this group. You know, uh, it's just it's just tough, right? It's just tough. But Hans Flick has has taken over, and he's just doing Hans Flick things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't have said it any better. Uh, Germany is just dominant. They look really, really good. So good. And let me just say this: they he's coached them for seven games. They've won all of them, right? I mean, listen. He is—he is one of the three best coaches in the world, in my opinion. Uh, but they won—they won three of them. Uh, they won all seven. Their goal differential—they have scored 31 goals in seven games. They wow. have given up two goals in seven wow. games. Their goal difference is plus 29. Lucas. I mean, listen. It's, Again, look at the competition that they're playing now in this group specifically. It's kind of expected, but it's still you. You can only go out there and play against the teams that you're you're facing up against. You know, they beat they beat Liechtenstein nine nothing, right? Yeah. So I, that says a lot to. I mean, they've just been they've been smacking every single person they play. Armenia four nothing, Iceland four nothing. Well, four one, Iceland four nothing. Then Armenia six nothing. Like just. North Macedonia for nothing. They they don't care who it is. It doesn't matter. I mean, they're they're gonna smash them anyway. And I just think personally that this squad, uh, I look at it and they're gonna be one of the the favorites to win it. And I mean, as of right now, I I'm, I might say that they might be the team to to beat. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I I don't think they're the team team to beat yet. I think there's a few teams to beat. Um, and I think this segues over. I. I think we're good with Europe, if you're good. No, I'm good. Uh, yeah, I think this segues over into South America, where both Brazil and Argentina are the t- only two teams that have officially qualified so far, um, with Ecuador and Colombia currently sitting in the automatic places. But Brazil and Argentina look very, very good. Argentina mm-hmm. specifically, ever since they've had Emiliano Martinez join, He's played, I think it's 14 games, has had nine clean sheets, and has not, I think he's only, he's not lost a game for Argentina. He's won the Copa del Rey, I believe it. Copa America. America, Copa America, apologies. Um, like, him in that back line has been so instrumental I think Argentina could be a team to beat, especially because they have really good young talent. Um, And also Brazil as well. You can't knock over Brazil. But besides Germany, I think it's it's those two South American teams that are going to be the team to beat. They're going to be the favorites in my opinion. There's going to be like, we're going to, I mean, right now we could list like five to 10 teams that have a shot to win it because everyone's playing so well. But I, I just feel like we'll know, uh, we'll know when we get there. We'll know when we get there. You know, everything can happen. Portugal fires their coach, gets someone who's competent, then, uh, then, you know, they're, they have a shout too. But, uh, 
to look through the, the table as it is right now, you have Ecuador, Colombia, I mean, uh, Peru, Chile. Uh, Chile and Uruguay have been so disappointing, man. Yeah. Uruguay has lost like four in a row, which yeah. is so crazy to me. You know, they lose to Bolivia. They lose to Brazil and Argentina, which is nothing to hang your hat on. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's just so unbelievable to me that like this is this is the strong uh this is the string of games that they put together and to look at who they're gonna have to finish against they're gonna finish against paraguay venezuela peru and chile you know chile has also been struggling and uh it's it's interesting to see how it's gonna gonna play out right because both these teams sit at 16 and then colombia peru sit at 17 ecuador is chilling with 23 so i i bet you that they have a good chance of making it just based on the fact that they have at least a two win lead over the remaining table but you know uh like i said it's gonna be it's gonna be these four teams uh competing for the rest of the the qualifying spots and i believe uh i believe it's fifth that gets a playoff i'll have to double check it is the top four automatic qualifiers and the fifth gets a playoff yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be super interesting. If I had to pick who falls out, I think Peru is not gonna make it. Uh, you know, they're I mean they play they play Colombia, they play Ecuador, uh, Uruguay, and Paraguay. So this the games against Colombia and Uruguay are gonna really decide uh, who wins it. And so it's just gonna be very interesting to see how this plays out. But uh, if if I'm anyone else besides Ecuador that's competing for the you know, these qualifying spots, you know, that hasn't already qualified. I'm really nervous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't have anything else to add to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy that the World Cup is actually almost a year from now. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see some really, really bad conditions within Qatar. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about it being in Qatar, I don't know how the players feel about it. The Premier League actually came out and said that they are going to have one week before the World Cup starts. I think it's uh, November 20th. They'll start with a break. So players have seven days to travel to Qatar, practice with their team, get ready for the World Cup. And then they have six days after the World Cup ends. So the final ends to travel back to England uh, practice with their team and get ready for the Boxing Day day Boxing Day games. They yeah, legit yeah. get no break whatsoever. Um, the players have to be fuming about it, and it, it's going to be very unfortunate for the players. I I can see a lot of players getting injured uh, right before the World Cup or getting injured during the World Cup that causes them to get uh, missed game time for both club and country. Which I hope this will be a lesson to FIFA to never do a World Cup in the winter ever again. Uh, never get bribed into doing a World Cup uh, in Qatar or any country that can't host it in the summer ever again. Um, but yeah, that is something to look out for because, uh, yeah, we're talking about teams who are a shoo-in to uh, win or their favorites, but one injury, for example, to Kevin De Bruyne for Belgium is detrimental to that team. One injury for Netherlands with uh, Virgin van Dijk is a detriment to that team. Like Ronaldo with Portugal, like Messi with Argentina. You can keep going on and on and on. Um, like it, it's going to be something to monitor. Uh, but yeah, that that that's all I had with the World Cup and international. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, we we have both always been on the same page with everything that's been going on, especially with this World Cup. So, uh, I you know I when it comes to these topics, I do nothing but agree with you because we're both always on the same page with this. Yeah. Going into Concacaf, right? Uh, we'll do Concacaf, and then uh, honestly, like I don't want to do Asian qualifying. Just, yeah, because, no. just because it's very straightforward, Afcon. Uh, I, I might want to take a look just to to give a shout to a few teams. But uh, for Concacaf, right? I'm very disappointed in the USA for drawing against Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, looking at these squads, I'm. I know the USA is going to qualify. I don't really have any doubts. Uh, you know, the the four teams in Concacaf make it through, and there's a gap between the top four and then Costa Rica. So. 
USA, I'm, I'm happy that, and I feel very confident that they're going to make it. Yeah. And I'm excited to see how this young squad plays. Uh, we've always talked pretty badly uh, about the coach. And, you know, the draw against Jamaica kind of is a result that I want to blame him for. Uh, but I don't want to go into too much details with that. I do want to talk about Canada, Lucas. I'm so happy that uh, our brothers up north are going to qualify or looking like they're going to qualify. They've been really doing really well. They're unbeaten. Uh, they got a squad now, man. They got a squad. You know, to have... Dude, they had a big victory against Mexico on Tuesday, uh, 2-0. Like, absolutely massive. They have a very, very good squad, uh, led primarily by Alfonso Davies. They can... Alfonso Davies is that team's uh, David Alaba. So, you know how David Alaba can play anywhere for Austria? Alfonso Davies can play anywhere for Canada, and he will be a star for them. He is, he is very, very strong, and... He's really one of the reasons why uh, I can see them finishing the group at, at the top. Yeah, and I, I just got to give a shout to uh, Jonathan David because this guy is unbelievable, man. He, he, scored, uh, he scored 18 goals in 24 games for Canada. He's had, uh, I'm going to pull this up. So he, he's had seven goals in World Cup qualifying uh, for them. And Honestly, like he plays for Lil. Uh, I talked about him a, a year ago when he had signed with you. Uh, after I forgot who had left Lil, but they signed David to to replace whoever it was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think it was uh, I think it was the striker from Napoli. So uh, what they had done right is he scored 13 goals in 37 games uh, in the league, and then 13 and 48. This year, he's got eight goals in 13 games, and it's really a step up towards his development. Dude's only 21. Uh, they have a lot of young players. They're also, every player that comes in, I feel like it's the same situation with the United States. We see them coming in, and they, the generation uh, that's up and coming always has more talent than the previous generation. Yes. And, you know, you, can, you, can, you can't really necessarily say the same things about the, the other countries. Uh, maybe with exception to England, just because, you know, the quality is always so high with the other countries that we don't really notice that much of a difference. But I feel like we're coming up with uh, the golden generation for Canada, the golden generation for the United States, and it's just going to be fun to see how uh, how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, looking at the talent, I know you spoke to Canada, but looking at the talent that the U.S. has, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, who's currently hurt, uh, Tim Weah, who's ha- has been in such great, great form. Uh, Brandon Aronson, Nicholas Pepe, who is being looked at by European clubs. He's being looked at by Liverpool, by Barcelona. He's being uh, he's a top talent that's getting like the scouts uh, really interested. Uh, trying to think of Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, like that's a good goalie competition battle that is improving both guys. Uh, yeah, the, this is definitely the golden generation for the U.S. And I can see them continuing to improve, continuing to develop the game of soccer. And I've mentioned this for years now, but players going to Europe and playing has been so much so important to them developing their talent. Nicholas Pepe has, can only go so far by playing in the MLS. Uh, the quality of the MLS, so we we know it's just not as at as good as the quality in Europe, no matter where the league is. Yep. Uh, whether it's the Ligue 1, uh, Ligue 1 has better quality than the MLS. Whether it's um, even the Bundesliga or even like some of the leagues uh, in Switzerland or Turkey or wherever it may be, they have better quality than the U.S. does with the MLS. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. It's great to see that a lot of players are interested in going over to Europe. It's great to see that they have the talent to do it now. Um, it's a very exciting time for the U.S. for sure. Uh, and like like you said, Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. should advance uh, with ease. But we will, I mean, anything could happen. Uh, I still think there's five games left in the CONCACAF uh, World Cup qualifiers. Uh, and... Anything could happen in those games. The U.S. just needs to win out. But one special shout-out to Jamaica, who have also some young talent, not even young talent, really great talent. 
Did you know Mikel Antonio plays for Jamaica now? Yeah, I did. Just, yeah. He just got his first call up to them. Just uh, in and scored against the U.S. and walked out. <laughs> what a banger of a goal that was, though. Uh, they also have Leon Bailey, who plays for Aston Villa. Uh, really great talent. So this Jamaica side also is no slouch. No. But it, it's taken Jamaica five years to convince and uh, Mikel Antonio to switch his uh, national team residency over to Jamaica from England. Uh, but yeah, it's good to see that he's playing with the national team. You would never really see him play for uh, England, but he's such a great striker. Yeah. But the goal that he scored, if you haven't seen it yet, go back, watch the highlight of it. It was a rocket. Uh, it would have been tough for any goalie to save. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> that's I, it. I do want to say though, for for Mikel Antonio, you know he did he doesn't deserve to start, but he does deserve to get call ups and to get caps for England, yeah. right? Like in the beginning of the season, uh, Harry Kane was still getting called up. He was terribly out of form. Mikel Antonio was the better striker in terms of form, right? At the beginning of the season, uh, there are times where he has deserved a call up and hasn't gotten one. So uh, kind of cool for Jamaica, right? They get this guy who's automatically their best player. From yeah. uh, so really good for them, really hyped for them. Uh, but, but kind of also disappointed because Mikel Antonio did want to get that call up. And in my opinion, he deserved to get some caps. Not, not really start, but get some caps. Uh, just want to go back to the U.S., dude. I mean, I've never been more excited uh, for a squad than the one we have now. And uh, I just want to give a shout. You mentioned you mentioned all the the players that should transition to MLS uh, from MLS to Europe. Matt mm-hmm. Turner too is like no exception. I mean, he like won the Gold Cup uh, just based off of his form, and his form's so good that he basically overtook Zach Steffen as the starter, even though he plays for the New England Revolution. Dude grew up in North Jersey, uh, was born in Park Ridge, whatever. Went to St. Joe's Montvale. So shout out to Matt Turner. You're probably not listening to this, but we're listening to you. <laughs> yeah, we're watching you. Yeah. Yeah, we're big fans. For sure. Uh, yeah, Lucas, like, like you said before, I can't stress it enough. I'm just excited to, to watch this squad develop and play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we covered off. I mean, do you want to go into uh, – you said you didn't want to go into AFCON or Asia. I just, I just wanted to talk about just one uh, real quick AFCON qualifying, just Group D, uh, like the only t- – so every every group in AFCON has a clear-cut team that's mm-hmm. going to qualify, it looks like. So, uh, I mean, listen, like if I read off, like Algeria is topping their group, it seems like they're going to go through Tunisia. Like I don't see any surprises – Thing that sucks though is in Group D you have Cameroon and Ivory Coast in the same group, so that's just going to be a tough battle uh, to to watch how this plays out is going to be super interesting. Uh, Ivory Coast just lost to Cameroon, one uh, nothing, and then I believe uh, they won the return leg against them. So they had they had each split one. Now uh, watching how this is going to play out for the last three games, it's going to be interesting to see and. Uh, I'm excited to see who qualifies from AFCON. We never see too many teams go far with them, but uh, it would be really cool if one day one team did win it from Africa. Yeah, I, I don't know if that'll happen anytime soon, but yeah. it would be cool for sure. I'm sick of these Europeans and these Brazilians winning it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so uh, we spent a good amount of time recapping the qualifying, right? Yeah. Let's- into uh, upcoming fixtures for this weekend, right? So for the Premier League, we can just talk about right off the bat, Arsenal-Liverpool. That's going to be a headbanger. You're laughing, right? You're laughing, Lucas, but who's who's above you on the table? It's Arsenal and it's Liverpool. Is it not fourth versus fifth? No, I, I wasn't laughing because of that. I, I'm laughing because we all know <laughs> Liverpool is going to dominate. Yes, we do, Lucas. Yes, we, <laughs> we all know that. So what will happen is is Liverpool won't beat Arsenal 5-0 like they did to United. It'll probably be 2-0. So, I mean, congrats. (laughs) Congrats. That goal difference matters, Lucas. That goal difference matters. (laughs) Uh, Leicester-Chelsea, another banger. Yeah. Uh, And then, honestly, Tottenham-Leeds just seems like a fun game to watch. You know what I mean? 
to be fun with Antonio Conte's second game. He has the uh, a full two weeks to work with this squad. That'll be a fun game to watch. And another game that is really going to have headlines over the weekend, Aston Villa versus Brighton. Uh, Steven Gerrard, the new manager of Aston Villa, uh, his first manager managerial role in the Premier League. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it. Both sides have quality talent. I'm a huge fan of Graham Potter and what Brighton have done this year. I always said that they would be a sneaky team from the start of the season. Um, so it's great to see that they are in the top. Uh, yeah, but that's going to be a fun game to watch. It'll be really, really interesting. Um, I mean, might as well call out Watford Man United because there are rumors that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to get sacked right now. I don't know, man. It, it's all it's all a smokescreen to get the fans off the owners' backs. We'll probably win on Saturday, sure. and and then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be okay again. But really, it's just putting a bandaid on the uh, on the cut right now. And meanwhile, it, you need stitches. You need to you need to strip that up. Uh, but yeah, I I think those are all the. Uh, high-level games that we wanted to call out within the Premier League. There is some juicy matchups within the city uh, uh, that I wanted to point out. The first being on Saturday, Lazio versus Juventus. Really, really tight matchup there. Lazio in fifth, Juve in eighth. Of course, Juve uh, started off the season slow, but if Juve win... They'll be drawing with Lazio in uh, uh, with 21 points, so it's it's a really big matchup for Juve to get that win. You also have Inter and Napoli. Uh, Napoli still currently in first place. Inter in third place. That's a big big matchup uh, of two of the top three teams. I'm um, I'm looking forward to it for sure, uh, and that could also help solidify Milan as. Uh, in first place right now, if Milan beat Fiorentina and Inter somehow beat Napoli. Yeah, both tied on with 32 points. It's crazy. 32 points after 12 uh, games is such a crazy return. So yeah. crazy. Like, historically great. You know what I mean? And you have two teams that are doing it. So it's just it's just unbelievable to me. People don't realize how hard it is to get that many points after those short amount of games, right? The max you can get is 36. And they have they've literally just dropped four points along the way with two draws each. It's just it's just unreal. You know, Inter has 25 points. Any year, uh, any regular year, Inter would be top of the table right now. Any regular year, right? Just just for just for like argument's sake, Chelsea's topping the table with 26, right? And and Real Sociedad is topping the table in La Liga at 28. So, you know, you're looking at that point range typically, if not like four or five points above that, which is just uh, incredibly impressive for both those teams. So, I mean, I'm just I'm just overall excited. La Liga ha- doesn't have too much going on, so we could just skip through them. All right. Uh, there's nothing to, to really say. I mean, unless you want to talk about uh, Barcelona Espanol, right? Where that's uh, the you know basically a derby game because they're both based in the same uh, city, and I believe this is Javi's first game in charge, right? So that might be the only one to keep an eye out on. Uh, other than that, that it perfectly, yeah, yeah. The game that, to keep an eye out. Javi's first game. We'll see how they actually perform. Like I said with Antonio Conte, uh, Javi had a full two weeks with the international break to get his team up to speed. Um, so definitely will be interesting. I agree. And Lucas, now we're going to be getting into the uh, the bets for the weekend. So we said that we would go two each, right? So what are your first two? I'll give you one, you give me one, and then I'll give you my second one. Okay. My first one is a Brighton to win with a draw no bet versus Aston Villa at plus 110. I'm a really, really big fan of Brighton this season. Uh, and with Steven Gerrard joining Aston Villa literally just this week. I'm not sure if they have enough to turn around and get that the tactics in place that he wants them to. 
to get a victory. I think Grant Potter will uh, really step up and tactically outclass uh, Steven Gerrard and Aston Villa. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, so I just have to say, I really do like the Steven Gerrard appointment. I think I think it's outside of the box. Uh, he's done so, so well with Rangers. It's it's yeah. like crazy how how much he's he's uh he's done for them and he's also been there for years and he's improved as a manager in his time there i think the step up to the premier league like you said is different so uh i'm excited to see how it plays out but i do like the higher whether or not it flames out i do like the the attempt at least uh my bet for the my first bet for the weekend is uh cristiano ronaldo anytime goal scorer against watford he's uh minus 145 on FanDuel. the man is inevitable I just think that he's going to score against Watford because it's just Watford. So to get minus 145, I really like those odds for Ronaldo, and I'm excited to see what happens there. If you want to bet him as the first goal scorer, he's also plus 240. I like the first one. I don't like the the second one where you would do first goal scorer. I don't trust first goal scorer whatsoever. Um, But, yeah, also a good bet. For me, as a United fan, I stay away from betting United like all the time, uh, because it just causes me pain. <laughs> uh, my second one, and I guess we're staying in the Premier League here, uh, because these are the only ones that we really have like some juicy uh, odds. Hyungmin Son, anytime goal scorer versus Leeds at plus one twenty. Leeds have always given up quite a lot of goals. And Hyungmin Son is the most inform uh, striker for Spurs, and I think he'll be such a vital player for uh, Antonio Conte's side. Um, so plus one twenty, you're getting plus money for that. I I don't know how you can't bet that. Yeah, I also targeted the Leeds Tottenham game. Uh, well, I did the uh, the over two and a half goals. So that's minus one thirty on FanDuel. I really like those odds as well, and I just I have to agree with you. Leeds have conceded uh, eighteen goals this year, and Tottenham have conceded sixteen. Right. So I mean, I'm just excited to see how this plays out. I believe they're both bound to to leak goals, uh, especially based on the system Conte would like to play and implement, and then also the fact that Leeds have been pretty disappointing, but they still enjoy scoring. So uh, we'll see what happens with them, but I also have the the over uh, two and a half for that one. I really like that. Really, really like that. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, we ran through this podcast uh, for almost a full hour. Before we go, is there anything else you would like to say? Uh, no, as always, enjoy them, Techers, boys and girls. I, it was a fun uh, podcast today. Really, we don't get too much time to talk about international uh, soccer because we don't enjoy it. But uh, <laughs> this this one really was fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for us, uh, li- for those of you listening, we we love uh, we love the events. You know, the World Cup, the Euros, uh, the Copa America. The qualifying and the friendlies are what's tedious to us, and it's just not really uh, worth it to to talk about or discuss. But I think because we're nearing the end of World Cup qualifying, we thought it'd be worth it to talk about it. Yeah. And honestly, this the 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 stakes are always higher, and it's always more fun to watch near the end of qualifying than in the beginning. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, like you said, enjoy them, Techers. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one, everybody. Hope you enjoy the show.